Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. This is Dana Olivo, host of Charged Up Studio Live, here with you once again this week. And we are going to just have a conversation with a fellow strategist, just like myself. We're coming up on the end of the year. And, you know, basically we've got to be start, we've got to start thinking about 2023. And how are we going to grow our businesses in 2023? So I have with me today, Michael Haynes, all the way from Australia. He is another strategist, just like myself, a growth strategist that works with small businesses. And we're going to just have a conversation about annual strategic planning. I know that this is something that a lot of you either um, put off or don't think that you're big enough to uh, begin an annual strategic plan. You know, there's many other reasons why a lot of businesses don't do the annual planning. But the fact of the matter is, is that the statistics show that the companies that survive, 73% of companies that survive have a strategic plan in place. So, Michael and I are going to talk about our thoughts as far as strategic planning and how we approach this with our different clients. So welcome to Charged Up Studio, Michael. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm really excited to have you here. We've talked a few times. We we, uh, uh, pretty much we agree on just about anything when it comes to strategic planning. So let's begin with what do you what is the scope of your annual planning that you do with your customers? Because, you know, with me, when I talk about strategic and annual planning, we're taking into, um, uh, into consideration, not only revenue growth, but we're talking about product and service integration into that revenue growth. We're talking about, you know, uh, operational integration into that annual growth. How are we going to do that? And then we get into, you know, the marketing side and the customer acquisition side. So tell me what you, what's your approach to strategic annual planning? Uh, great question, Dana. So um, d- just to kind of start off to clarify, in terms of the small businesses that I work with, I focus working with your small businesses, everything from your one-person organizations up to your larger, smaller, medium-sized SMBs, as you folks call it in the U.S. They need it. Um, 
and what, a lot of your service-based companies. So your accountants, lawyers, graphic designers, catering services, those that are selling their services to other businesses. So I'm your small business B2B specialist. And mm -hmm. in terms of working with my clients on their uh, annual plans, take a very holistic approach. We're looking across the business because in order to execute growth, we have to be looking at all the various components, products, operations, uh, you know, marketing, sales, um, uh, even from a whole uh, learning and development perspective, you know, how are we getting that right talent that we need to execute on those strategies. So that, so I take a very holistic approach. And Dana, I take a very, because we're operating in the business to business context, which has some very unique dynamics in terms of uh, particularly the business customer, which we call the B2B buyer. I take a very buyer driven approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a framework that I take my clients through in terms of how do we understand where they're at, their opportunities, and how to move forward. But it's really about taking a holistic approach, right. looking across the business, but uh, utilizing a very buyer driven approach uh, in the B2B context, which we can go into more detail. Yeah. Um, in this when conversation. You, when you talk about the B2B approach and putting yourself in the buyer's position, basically what you're saying is you want to be in the customer's position because B2B. Uh, I'm good, Dana. I'm going okay. to clarify that. Okay. Okay. If, okay. My big premise with my client, it is not good enough to be customer driven. We must be buyer driven. So to give an actual live example to make this relevant for our listeners. So for example, uh, I've got one of my clients is a, um, IT company and they specialize in cybersecurity. So they're trying to get into the different banks and financial institutions offering their cybersecurity, developing those strategies around cybersecurity and implementing. It's not enough to understand the company. So for an example, Bank of America, you want to get, it's not enough to say we're going to understand Bank of America, the customer. We need to know within Bank of America who are those decision makers that are going to decide whether or not they're going to buy my client's IT cybersecurity services. And often there are two or three people, could be the chief information officer, could be head of security, uh, the chief operations officer. We'll, we'll use those three, for example. Those right. might be those three people who are the buyers. So right. we need to know that in a B2B context, who the buyers are, yeah. what, are their what are their priorities, and how do they buy? How do they make that decision-making? How do they do their research and decision-making? Those are the three things from a buyer level that we have to have a granular understanding of. Yes, you have to understand the company, the customer. In this case, I'm using Bank of America as an example, but we have to understand those individuals, who they are, what are their priorities, and how they buy, because that will drive a lot of those marketing and sales, those growth activities that we're going to right. be undertaking. Right. And, and, and I fully agree with you. I think it's a matter of terminology here when I talk about customers, because it's the person, it's the decision maker that we're talking about. Who is actually doing the buying is who I'm calling the customer. And understanding what the thought processes that are going through their heads at every one of the touch points that you're going to reach out to them with. Absolutely, correct? absolutely. Uh, correct. Okay. And it's also 
very much about understanding, again, how they go about their research and decision making. Because business, the, the B2B buyer is undertaking a lot of independent research and decision making now from multiple sources. Right. So they are um, coming on, they're listening to podcasts such as this. They're going through their industry and their professional association. They're tapping into various peer groups. They're going to events. And they're yes. doing all these various independent activities before they want to talk to any sales representative. It is critical to understand those various activities, which can, cannot necessarily, Dana, be easily tracked through your Google Analytics. It's a lot of what we call those dark channel activities that they're doing behind the scenes that we can't pick up on, but are so critical of knowing what they're using, who they're talking to, where right. they're at, because right. that's going to define how you go about and right. get reach and relevance to them. And it is so critical. And it's something that many businesses and particularly our small business folk often typically miss. Yeah. And, and they don't understand it. They really yeah. don't understand it. You know, when I, when I'm working now, we're, we're talking about, you know, going after those customers and that's one aspect of the actual planning process. First, we have to know what our goals are. Absolutely. We have to understand what those goals are. I always start with revenue. I always begin with revenue. You know, if their if their uh, revenue this year is happens to be say five hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand, and they want to meet that one million mark or the one twenty the the one point two five million or something like that, okay, we begin with that. Now, if they're making say five hundred thousand, they want to jump to two million. I'm going to say, okay, you, unless you have something really aggressive you're going to be introducing to your product or service line or something to that effect okay that's a pretty steep climb yeah you know to be able to do that so starting yeah. with revenue i begin with the revenue mark and and help them understand when are your peak and low periods you know so i get into the science behind Oh, absolutely. You, yeah, absolutely. Get into the you science need, yeah. behind. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we need you to start. understand your numbers. You have to you have to understand your numbers. So it's about understanding your numbers. But in conjunction with that, Dana, with my clients, I also want to understand where they're looking to go as well. So exactly. if you want to go from the you want to go from five hundred thousand to two million. Um, I'd like to do a couple of things, which I call listening, the listening to you, yeah. the business owner, and listening to the company. So where do you, what are your goals? What are your visions? Where do you want to go? Right. But also let's do some internal science and analysis to understand, well, what are the strengths of your company in terms right. of revenues? Where are you winning in terms of revenue? Where are you winning in terms of the kinds of products and services, the kinds of markets, the kinds of customers? What are the strengths in terms of your um, core capabilities? Do you have any strengths and advantages which could be around your operations, your service. Um, you might have some key strategic partnerships. So we need to understand that vision and what are some of those key strengths and core capabilities. Um, and then from there, that will help us to determine, then we can start looking at what are gonna be some of the identifying the opportunities for growth. So I agree right. with you 100% of looking at the revenue numbers, but yeah. it's also the goals and doing that internal analysis and assessment right. to start determining, okay, what's the best way moving forward? And then where do we start looking at the opportunities to be moving forward? No, I fully agree with you. You know, like I said, you know, starting with revenue and then, you know, if you're going to approach revenue, let's look at your product service lines. Okay. Yeah. And what are the strengths in that product service lines? 
you know, which ones bring you the highest profit margins? Which ones are your loss leaders? Which, what are you going to use? How are you going to use that product service line, whether it's horizontal, vertically, are you going to add anything to it or whatever to start reaching your goals? Absolutely. And at which point do you want to be introducing that? Because the next stage we go to is we start talking about operations. We start talking about, okay, if you're going to uh, increase this line or you're going to have to, um, uh, you know, strengthen a particular product, redesign, whatever. Do yeah. you have the resources? Do you have the ability internally or do you have to partner with somebody to help you do that? So this is what I'm hearing from you as you approach it in the same way or with along the same uh, line of thought. It's just a matter of how you approach it. You know, I know yes, with absolutely. my customers, um, I have to keep it as simplified as possible as far as the language is concerned. Absolutely. Because they don't understand the business terminology. They don't understand the yeah. marketing terminology, you know. Yeah. So yeah. helping them learn those things as they're working in their business is what's critical. Absolutely. One of the things as well as when we're doing that internal analysis and determining how to move forward, I also have them be looking at, you know, from that customer level, okay, in terms of moving forward, uh, I always like to take, uh, and you're so right with, you know, small businesses, small, medium businesses, um, let's also have an understanding around our customers, our current clients that we're currently right. serving, let's, we need to have an understanding of those, and I like to understand and do some analysis, where are we winning, what kinds of customers, what products and services are they buying, what are the customer requirements? And in B2B, what are the buyer requirements of right. those key accounts? I often have my clients say, okay, tell me, who are your top five, 10 key yeah. clients? Who are they? All right, um, you know, your decision makers within those top, when's the last time you've had a conversation? Because right. to your point, Dana, I'm very big, you know, in big corporate, they talk about customer insights and all this big language. I get very simple and say, like, okay, these are your top five clients. Who are the top, who are the decision makers? you know, the, the decision makers within those top five clients, when's the last time you've had a conversation with the decision makers? And again, what are their priorities? What are they looking to achieve? Where are they perceiving gaps? What is your understanding around that? Because that's very important because I believe, and I'm sure you do as well, that your current customer, current client base, that is often some great feeding ground for uh, getting our renewals, cross sales, yeah. upsells. So we need to make sure we have an understanding of who are the clients that we're winning with? What are they requiring? Because that will determine what are some of the things we might need to do in terms of operations, in terms right. of products, our services, our operations, service, and support. So getting into the detail. And that's often, Dana, I find where I often have to have my clients go out and say, okay, you know what? You need, you need to go out and have some conversation with your current uh, clients, with the decision makers, making sure you have an up-to-date right. understanding of the current decision makers. So we have an understanding at that customer level, buyer level, what's required, because that's gonna help us determine, okay, based on our internal strengths, where we're winning, where should we be focusing in terms of new products and new services, or what do we have to modify around our processes, our operation? Should we look at starting to partner up with other folks because there's some opportunities? So those are some of the things I have them look at yeah. as well. Yeah. And in, in recognition of what you were saying as far as listening, okay, part of the reason why you want to stay in touch and get feedback from your customers or your buyers or whatever yeah. is you want to start listening for those keys on where they're going so that oh, you can adapt your, your, your offerings or, you know, what you're doing 
to what they're going to need down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely, Dana, 100%. And I'm very big on my clients. I'm, I, tell, I always have my clients that they need to be listening on a regular, they need to be listening on a regular basis. Uh, with their with their top key client, you should be periodically having those discussions, those meetings, whether it's face to face via Zoom with those decision makers to understand where they're at, where they're going, what do they need, you know, how can you service and support them? Because a lot of your 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 key clients, whether you're working with accounting firms, law firms, IT firms, they often need to know what's going on. What are the things they need to know about with regards to, let's say, you're an IT my cybersecurity client, they need to know what are the things they need to be up to date on with cybersecurity. So how can you be delivering value to them currently and what sort of things they need moving forward? So that listening and having those periodic discussions and feeding it back into the business. I'm very big on having my clients round up the leadership team and share those learnings because there's going to be implications for products, for service and support, for learning and development. For the sales team. As we get that customer feedback, we have to feed that back on the organization because it will have implications for minor improvements, major improvements. But that whole listening, uh, understanding your customers and buyers is so critical to the lifeblood and the survival and success of your uh, of a small business. So how many times do we run into an issue um, where we're working with our customers and um, when you start talking about succession planning and exit strategies, how many times do you run into customers who have not even thought about the, the future of their company in that sense? Oh, Dana, uh, many, many times. Um, I'll be honest with you, a lot of my clients, getting them to think about this planning for next year can often be an issue, let alone talking exit strategies. So yeah, um, I'm often, you know, just getting my clients to get the discipline to say, okay, we've got to dedicate time to plan for the, you know, coming up as we reason for our, our talk here today. I It can be hard to pull them out of the business to look at next year, let alone exit. Um, thinking about that succession and the skills that they need, that's something I'm, I get a lot of my clients to be thinking about and incorporate that as part of our strategic planning when we're doing our workshops and discussions. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to add new product lines, we're going to be going into new markets and we need new people, how are we going to resource those people? So getting them to think about that, because um, anyone can write a strategy, but to be able to execute, you've got to have the, the various elements in place. And that talent component is a big issue and getting folks to think and think creatively, what are some of the ways? Are we going to use contractors? Do we need to use things like freelancer.com? How are we going to fill those gaps of where you need those skills to be able to execute to come up with the new product line? Or if you're going to be going into some new markets and you need some account uh, business development people in that market with that expertise for that particular kind of cybersecurity offering, to use the IT example again, that's a very big important thing. I've got to get them to be thinking about that. The people elements are quite critical because your people are your enablers on how you're going to be able to execute your strategies. And particularly when you're talking growth strategies and you're undertaking a lot of new initiatives requiring right. new skills, thinking about how you're going to get those people and how are you going to keep them is quite important and quite challenging in this environment as well. No, that's absolutely right. You know, now when you're working with your clients and you're developing a strategy, do you continue with them in the actual accountability aspect? 
because that is critical as well. Oh, I'm absolutely, Dana. Um, you know, anyone can, I'm, my motto is think, plan and execute. And I'm very big on having what's the action plan. So we can write the strategy and I like to keep it fairly, uh, a, a, a short, concise document, but it's the action plan. And I'm big on doing what I call the review and reset. So I will meet with my clients quarterly and we have a review and reset session to see what's been happening, what are the new developments. And I'm very big on trying to get them to do their listening, listening right. on a customer level. So have you been having those discussions with some of those key clients you're currently seeking to, currently serving and those you seek to serve, but also listening to the market as well. You know, are you aware of the industry market trends, what's going on? I am very big. My model with my clients is that, you know, whatever your key target industries are, you should be members of the industry and professional association for your key industries. I'm very big on that because the industry and professional association, Dana, as you would well know, yeah. is your repository for all your information. And as small businesses, we have tight budgets, yeah. but the industry and professional association yeah. has everything right there. They do the white papers, they have the events, right. so we can get all that insight on what's happening in our industries. Often those events can be good opportunities to understand our competitors, meet prospects. So quarterly review and reset of the strategies is very right. important. And I like to get them to do that listening regularly, you know, throughout the quarter right. uh, from an industry perspective and a customer perspective. So we can feed that in to those quarterly review and reset sessions. And, and that's true, you know, and, but you can get carried away with the associations and the networking and things like that towards it takes away so, you know, I have a rule of thumb with my clients, whereas I tell them, you know, stick to like three or four networking and that's it, you know, but make sure that the, it's a nice diversified group of networking organizations or associations. One is a professional yeah. one that feeds you, you know, yeah. educates you, keeps you moving forward, you know, that type deal. Then you've got yeah. a true referral network. Yeah. Okay. Uh, absolutely. I'm... Absolutely. I, with my clients, I'm very big on using industry and professional associations for that education component. Exactly. So I really, I really, to be honest, I don't tell them to go to networking events. I tell them to look to see, are there relevant things coming up in the newsletters? Are there any new white papers coming out? Are there any webinars that they should be attending? I look at it solely from a listening perspective. Right. Yes, they should be doing their networking, but I am um, try to incorporate the discipline from a quarterly perspective of are there relevant educational things that you should be going yeah. to be staying on the pulse of what is changing and happening in those industries and markets that you see so I, so that's how i kind of yeah i'm happy yeah. that they can decide when they want to do their networking but it, i like i try to tell them quarterly just you know tap in go on on, on the calendar is there any it's lit just even if it's just reading the latest newsletter from the association, right. just so that they're keeping on the pulse and they're listening to know what's going on within the industry. So it's from no, that. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, um, I do focus on the sales side, the prospecting side as well, because yeah. that's one of their number absolutely. one things that they want to do is get to revenue, you know, yeah. or increase absolutely. revenue. So we work it both ways, you know, and yeah. I, and one of the other things, and, and you're, I'm sure you're going to agree with me, is consistency consistency is key. You don't go to these groups one, you know, every three months or so, you know, you need to be consistent and you need to participate. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you need you to participate. You need to participate um, because that peer-to-peer -peer networking is so important on a number of levels from that networking perspective, because your network is your net worth. And from a B2B perspective, Dana, um, business or your business clients, your business buyers, that peer-to-peer -peer networking is a big part of their buying process now. They don't want to talk to salespeople. They want to do their own research, which will be through industry associations, doing their right. own educating, reading, and joining groups, communities and forums, for example, it's been documented by the research, by the likes of Gartner, et cetera. That's a big process now, mastermind yeah. groups, these business groups, that's a big part of how business buyers buy, because they want to talk to colleagues to exchange you know, ideas, exactly. insights, recommendations. Exactly. So you need to be immersed in those groups. Um, a couple of my clients are creating their own kind of community groups to foster that. So yeah, that, that whole being involved in that peer-to-peer -peer interaction is quite critical because yeah. it's part of the buying process now. Um, so we yeah. have to we have to incorporate it. So that is so critical. Funny, um, uh, just this morning, I was having a call with um, Jeffrey Hazlett with uh, C-Suite. Um, about my mastermind group because I've, I've had the plans for a mastermind group for a while for small business owners, you know. Yeah. We're yeah. not talking, you know, uh, $10,000 a year or anything like that, but there has to be some kind of entry point. Yeah, you know, for and small that's where communities are creating micro-communities. Yeah. Yeah. Micro creating micro communities, which is kind of a step down from the mastermind, I think is uh, an appropriate uh, for um, small businesses. I myself am creating a small business B2B community I'm going to be launching. And it's for that. So it's for our small business owners where you can provide opportunities to do some training, some interaction, some masterminding, but on a minor level. But you need to have that a smaller entry point because a small businesses don't necessarily have the budgets um, and not all of your clients are, are going to be ready for the $10,000 mastermind. Some will, and that can be an extension, but for a lot, and, and people now in this environment, Dana, as you would well know, we need to take small steps. So let me come small into steps. a community yeah. uh, and they might start a community at a smaller price, interact and see what the peer interactions are like. What are they getting in training? And then when they're ready based on their growth objectives and just when they feel if it's the right for them, then they may want to be stepping up and, and into higher uh, level things. Um, but there's a big need for communities um, yeah. with our small business people and in a B2B context as well. So you're absolutely right. Creating those communities, micro communities is really something that is needed um, for small businesses. It's right. needed in B2B yeah. and we're seeing a prevalence of it because you need to have that interaction and education starting at a smaller level and then potentially there will be right. some who are quite aggressive with growth and want to you know uh, go up the value ladder who will need uh, the masterminds and the platinum councils those other sophisticated offers right. but we yeah. have to kind of cater for our peeps first so I'm 200 percent with you yeah there. yeah and and speaking of you know uh, looking at things and thinking that you have to be grandiose in what you're doing you know, as small business owners, taking those small steps, one after Absolutely. another, you know, and, and just not necessarily taking it slow, because taking it slow could, could work you out of the market, or whatever yeah. market you're in, but you want to be consistent in what you do, you know, uh, some, yeah. some businesses like myself, you know, on the education side and everything might take a little bit longer than say a productized business you know, yes. or something to that effect, um, yeah. uh, because it takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of brand awareness, you know, yeah. to, to build that credit.
credibility out there. If you're a service-based industry, you're dependent on yourself. Yeah, it's absolutely. your brand that's going to sell. You know, Dana, that is so critical about I think being focused, starting small, and and yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, having starting small and being focused, it's so important because with service-based businesses now and because service-based mm -hmm. businesses, many of them can be online. There is a whole plethora of them now. They're, they're, you know, it's it just been this explosion the past couple of years where the pandemic has resulted in every second person's trying to set up their own shingle. So the digital space now, because, you know, if you want to be an accountant and I, you know, I work solely with like you. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, anyone can set their own shingle. Yeah, anyone can set it up now, set up their shingle to become a cybersecurity specialist account, and you can work with anyone anywhere in the world. So as a result, if you said, it's then about finding the right strategies that right. is going to help you build that awareness, um, is going to give you that reach, that credibility, and that takes time. And again, from a B2B perspective for small businesses, um, it's making sure that you are doing the activities that tie to how buyers buy. And this is so critical and important. And I'm very passionate about it because B2B presents massive opportunities for us small business folks, but we must understand the decision maker. Where, what are they using? Where are they going for information? And those activities, those resources, that defines what your marketing activities Tend, need to be. I've seen too many small businesses doing a lot of spray and pray marketing and they're doing everything that all the experts say and they're doing 10,000 things. They're doing a lot of them wrong. Advertising, I have a big thing about it. Advertising is great for awareness, but in B2B, it's not how buyers buy. And I've had clients come to me and the amount of money that they spent on Google ads, LinkedIn ads. And then I asked them, so who's your buyer? Who's the decision maker? Oh, I'm not really sure. How do they buy? Where do they do the research? I'm not sure. And so you sell engineering solutions, engineering consulting. Why are you on Google ads? Oh, well, isn't that the thing to do? I said, have you talked to your customers? And so there's a lot of disconnects I find with small businesses who do the shiny things that they're heard the experts say, but they have no idea if that's relevant. And so, and often it's about being very focused. I have an engineering consulting client and his whole marketing strategy for us is everything, the association and there's some key publications because in his world, and he's in a very niche area of marketing, uh, sorry, uh, engineering, we focus going through a lot of the activities through the industry association yeah. and doing some of the white papers, some of the events. So we have a very narrow targeted focus because all the other stuff that he was doing is not relevant because that's just not how this no, peer operate. And I see that so much in small business where there's that disconnect of people doing lots of things, lots of things around advertising, trying to get leads, but not understanding their customers, their buyers, and what they're doing. Because quite often, it you'll find it's a it's a few key activities that are really going to be the revenue engine in terms of what's happening, and all the other stuff is stuff you either can repurpose or it's just things you shouldn't be doing. Um, well, so it's, it's so, you know, so important. And that is the purpose of why we are here, meaning you and I, because there are a lot of um, bright, shiny lights out there, okay? As, as business owners, we are bombarded with people with, oh, you, you know, do this and I guarantee this and do this and I guarantee this and this is going to bring in this much money and this is going to do this. And it's easy for us to get trapped into, you know, um, uh, buying into one of these things. And the next thing we know, we've lost 5000 8000 
you know, while we are chasing this elusive goal that's not going to show up, you know, and it's primarily because of the fact there is no follow up with it. And it's not the right product or the right service that they should be doing. You know, I, um, I recently wrote a book um, called uh, Social or Sociopathic. And it's about the digital environment that we are currently in and how small business owners can protect themselves from being taken advantage of by so what we call social sociopathics. These are the companies that have cropped up saying they can do this, they can do that, you know, and everything else you sign up and with. And Dana, it's a lot of those lead generation companies exactly. that they are the devil incarnate. I'm sorry, they, yeah. I've, I've had a number of small business owners I've spoken to and the amount of money that they have spent. Um, because for example, LinkedIn, LinkedIn does definitely serve a purpose yes. as being a business owner. You need to be a presence on LinkedIn. However, you must understand for your market, for the customers, the buyers that you're going after, you need to have an understanding of how they go about, you know, doing their research and the decision-making when they're looking for products and services. Right. Cause there are a lot of business, uh, business leaders who do not spend time on LinkedIn. Either they don't want to because it has become a bit of this sales place where people show up and throw up and they're, they're tired of being bombarded exactly. with all the sales messages and or they're just too busy. And so where they get their other, where the, how they get their information might be through videos, through podcasts, through the industry association, et cetera. That's why, and that's where you need to be focusing your marketing and sales effort. Right. But right. so many people, uh, and LinkedIn often you can take your core content and you can repurpose it on there to get some visibility. Right. Right. I've seen so many small businesses put all their effort and money into these lead gen activities. And people don't right. buy just because I've, I've met you today, uh, you know, at, you know, uh, 2.30 in the afternoon. It's not, I've met you today and I'm going to at five o'clock sign up. Business leaders don't operate that way. They need to no. do the research. They need to check you out, et cetera. But these lead gen companies often, you know, they, they, they come up with all these, these stories of how you're going to, you know, get so many thousand followers and it's going to translate into the, the big six figure transaction. And if you just sign up with me and pay me 30, 40, 50,000, I guarantee you. And um, with a total disconnect that it's not relevant to that small business owners right. business, their customers that they're serving, the ones that they're going after. So well, yeah, there's a lot of that from a lead gen. There's yeah. a lot of that. That you need and to be even if it. they are successful getting those leads for you, you know, and things like that. The thing is, is that what do you do after that? They don't understand. Okay, we've got these 20,000 leads, these 30,000 leads, but I'm not acting on them. And if I'm not yeah. acting on them, what's the purpose of putting that money out there? You know, I just had a conversation today with one of my clients. She, I had met with her um, a week ago and she was telling me she was forking out $2,000 a week to a digital lead um, marketing, I mean, uh, a month, I'm sorry, um, to this digital lead company. And she yeah. says, they don't communicate. We have a meeting once a month, nothing's discussed. Yeah. I don't see any results or anything. And I said, look, I said, I'm gonna put you in touch with somebody that I know that I have referred several of my clients to, huge success, everything. We just got off the phone with them this morning. And she says, this is what I needed. This is what I needed. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, 
and, and she's, you know, she's not educated in SEO, SEM, you know, all this other stuff. You know, she's not educated in that. She says, I don't want to know all of that. I just want to know, here's what I want. You yep. can do it. And you're going to show me the results. Yep. And as long as I don't care what you're doing in between, that's not my forte. You know, I got my own business to run, you know, yep. and the more that people can, uh, uh, vendors is what I'm talking about right now, um, these lead generators and things like that, the more, because they're relying on their tools. They're right, relying totally on their tools and not on the relationships that should be developed. And Dana, that you've hit, a nail on the head because to talk about in a B2B context, a lot of your B2B pro context con uh, prospects, they take a lot of nurturing. So you may get the lead, but it's how are you going to nurture that right. prospect that you've met? So, you know, you're an accountant and you've gotten a, a prospective accounting client and you've gotten the lead. How are you going to nurture? Because business buyers now are going to need a lot of information. They need to know you as a service provider. How are you going to work with me? What happens after the sale? These are a lot of the things that prospective clients want to know about. So you've gotten the lead, but you need to know how to nurture, cultivate, build that relationship, right. deliver value, and demonstrate what happened, what's the mutual action plan, the roadmap of working together, accountant and, and client. These are the things that you have to have a plan yeah. for, a strategy for, based on understanding your client, your That's the buyer, exactly the decision it. maker. So you know how to nurture those. And so these lead generation um, companies, um, a lot of them, A, they don't give necessarily the right quality of leads aligned to your business based on what you do, your strengths are. But there is no um, strategy and support for that whole nurturing process. And that buying process of what happens after you get the lead is so critical and so important. Right. And again, it comes back to if you don't understand your prospects, your clients, what they need, how they buy, what they're looking to achieve and helping them be get on that road and right. demonstrate that then the leads are never going to convert. And so right. you, I see so much of that problem of either these lead gen companies, which A, don't get leads to begin with because they're completely relying on LinkedIn. And it's like, well, and your, you know, the, your prospective accounting client is uh, on other channels and or they don't have any plan to port to, okay, I've got the lead. I've got Dan as a lead. What do I need to do? What content, what discussions we need to have to get her to going from a lead to actually signing up as an accounting client. So right. You're absolutely right. right. Yep. No, that's exactly it. You know, I, I'm since COVID since the beginning of COVID, my, my email spam uh, emails, I've just doubled. I've just yeah. doubled because now what they're doing is they're bypassing the traditional ways that they had been getting in front of you and they're going straight to your emails you know yes sending you those emails now you know and and i'm not and Dana, to, to, to that point about emails it's funny um i was noticing through the pandemic how a lot of these going back to some of these various coaches and experts were saying you know have mm -hmm. your three five seven email sequences um and i'll admit i've tried some of that stuff and i was noticing this email sequence stuff, it's not working. And then when talking to some of my clients, talking to various business owners, business owners, a lot of your business customers are going after it. They're too busy. They're being bombarded. That's not how they buy now. And there is a bit of a move now that they're going to other different sources. They are, you know, they're going for content directly through the podcast, through events, through webinars, right. they're doing different activities to get informed, to make decisions. And so what was maybe two, three years ago, but yes, have yours 
five, seven email sequences and all these different, e that's not working now. That doesn't work too much. Well, that's not how a lot of, because yeah. they are getting bombarded. They're too overwhelmed. And yeah. so um, there's a, a bit of lack of mistrust because a lot of people have gotten burnt. So that whole, some of these tactics that were relevant two, three years ago, they no longer apply. And that whole bombarding people with their emails, that's not working. And a lot of people are doing anonymous you know, um, they'll they'll give their email and they'll give an anonymous email because they don't uh, to a, a Gmail or something else. Yeah. I do it myself. I do that m myself. Yeah. I've got a couple of email addresses that I use just for all that crap to go. And so, yeah, yeah it's about um, really understanding what works for your clients, yeah. for the industry that you're in, the customers that you're after, uh, and doing the right thing. And just having that focus of where you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Right. Um, we're small businesses. We don't have these big budgets to be throwing away right. on all lots of stuff. So right. I'm big on finding out what works, um, you know, and where that, you're getting and success, and with true, whom, you know. selling what. And focusing on that and i and and you know in all honesty i will tell you i still use a lot of the funnel email programs you know and things like that i still use them for my own company you know alone yeah. um because i am an educator a mentor and i have newsletters that go out on a monthly basis but you're doing it i'm sure in the right way it's very targeted and who you're going after i'm not saying not to use them but they have to be constructed in the right way mm -hmm very targeted based on understanding the business, understanding the customer, yeah. making sure it's all very, I'm sure all of your email, your newsletters are very value stacked and stacked with the right kinds exactly. of things as opposed to just, just setting exactly. these things up. It's, oh, I'm automated and I'm putting out seven series of emails and it's it's not targeted, it's not relevant. It hasn't been updated, reflecting what's going on in that particular industry, what the customer is. So I'm sure you're doing a very yeah, good- Yeah, the, really the funnels that I send out um, are triggered by someone who has expressed an interest in a particular course or something like that. So I'm leading them down a line, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, a pathway, you know, that type deal. But I agree as far as like I get emails from people I don't even know, you know, and just off the, and all of them are lead gens, you know, a lot of them are lead gens, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. <sighs> You know, we're getting up to the end of another podcast and we could keep going on and on and on. <laughs> but, um, you know, the fact of the matter is we're coming up on the end of another year. Okay. Yes. And we really need to, we should have already been thinking about it, but we really need to nail down what is our strategy for 2023. All right. Absolutely. I know that I have already set up a webinar training series, you know, a virtual training series that goes over four weeks. It will start the 16th, I think, of November, where um, people can come in. And when they're done with that four-week program, they will have a strategy for 2023. What are you doing for your clients right now, preparing them for 2023? Okay, so a number of things. So um, I'm I'm a bit into workshop mode, to be honest, Dana. That's, That's what I'm doing. Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing yeah. So with my clients directly, um, I've got workshop sessions, um, uh, and we're doing where we bring in the team. Uh, we do a fair amount of pre-work uh, before the actual workshop, which is really about that listening, that assessment to review to say, okay, who are our top clients? What's been the revenues? You know, where are we doing that kind of that assessment that audit of how the year has gone how much money have we made from whom 
from which products and services uh, and, and kind of setting the framework. And then we'll have workshops to talk about where they want to go, um, right. what are some of the growth opportunities. So doing a lot of workshopping with my clients. And then um, I'm doing uh, a couple of public um, online virtual B2B growth planning workshops. I'm doing one November 22nd and 23rd. Yeah. Um, 22nd, 23rd, depending on where in the world you're residing. I was going to say, um, that's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So no, Here it's before Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 It's before, it's before, because I have a lot of uh, clients, Australia, Canada, the U S are kind of my three core markets. So yep. it's before uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's a 90 minute uh, workshop where I take them through the listen, innovate, grow framework and getting them to come up with their action plans of what they need to be doing right. to be starting to put that uh, 2023 B2B growth roadmap in place. Um, right. So that's yeah, November 22nd and 23rd um, that I'm doing, I guess we'll call it the public workshop where I'm advertising that online to my email list. Um, but yeah, because you, we've got to small businesses, you've got to have the plan, the focus. You've got to have the plan in place. Doing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, so, in terms of you know what you, who you're going to deliver, uh, what you're going to deliver to whom, and how you're going to promote and engage. Because right. those are kind of the three big fundamental questions we need to have clarity on, which is going to really determine everything else across the business. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, any last comment before we? Sign off here. Uh, I guess uh, last comment, I guess, would be um, it's definitely time, folks, to be doing your strategic planning. Um, as part of that process, um, my advice is, is your top three, five, or top client, you need to be having a conversation with them to understand where those key clients, the ones that are most important to you, that are paying the bills, you should be having conversations with them, whether it be face-to-face, -face, online, to understand where they're at, what are their priorities? What are some of their challenges and looking to do for 2023? Because those insights, Dana, from your key clients and as well as some of your key prospects is going to help define what needs to go into your plan. What are some of the areas we need to focus around your products, your service offerings, your service levels, the things that you're doing. So having some of those conversations um, is some of the homework I advise everyone to be right. doing. You know, right. Who are your key clients, whether it be one, you know, your top, two, three, five clients, um, and maybe a couple of top prospects, have those discussions to understand where they're at, what they need, because that's going to really be a key input in determining what you need to be doing right. for next year. Right, right, exactly. And I would say to add to that is be willing to get down in the nitty gritty dirt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Be absolutely. willing to be vulnerable, be willing to identify where you really need those that help, those gaps, you know, because that's the only way we as strategists or even they will be put, able to put together a strategy for growth, you know, yeah. as far yeah. as that's concerned. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to be um, uh, that that open and transparent is absolutely and getting into yeah. the detail of where are we, we where do we need to improve our capability skills what do we need um, because you've got to address those weaknesses and those gaps. Um, what is the ugliness that you're afraid to say? You know, what is that ugliness that you are you, you you've been holding off telling anybody or facing? You know, yeah. let's let's make it pretty again. So yeah. Um, okay. Tell uh, our listeners how they can get a hold of you if should they want to. Uh, great. So um, two places to go. First place is my website, listeninnovategrow.com. And that's the repository where I've got articles, tools, templates, uh, all for small, medium businesses, what they need to be doing in B2B, 
you'll see updates for events, including the workshop. So listen, innovategrow.com. And then also connect with me on, on LinkedIn. I'm always looking to connect with my fellow small business peeps uh, and happy to engage in conversation and uh, help and add value any way I can. Ah, excellent, excellent. Well, that's it for this week again, folks. Um, I'm glad you could join us. Such an enlightening and live and uh, lively conversation with Michael here. Um, we <coughs> share the same concepts and everything, so it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who who understands what we do yes. <laughs> for our clients yeah. on a regular yes. basis. Um, if you're listening to us on any of the streaming platforms, please leave a review or go to our Facebook page or our YouTube page um, and leave a review there. You can also go to our website at chargedupstudio.live and also um, uh, go into Patreon and leave a review or join us on Patreon. That's it for this week. We will have all of the uh, information as far as the programs that are coming up towards the end of the year so that you can get your annual planning. It will be in the transcript, so stay tuned. Talk to you later. This is Dana Olivo with Charged Up Studio. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. It's a great conversation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.